another story for you. Um, Ashley, where's Ashley? She is here. Good. <laughs> it's a whole lot better if she shares it. <laughs> Sat down with Ashley a couple, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a month ago, and we started talking about her story. And as she shared her story with me, I was like, uh, you, you just got to share. Uh, you just have to share this. And we did a series here called Making History that our story is for his glory. And uh, I just hope you listen for his voice as she shares today. She just came off night, so. Uh, I'm so tired. I'm going to fall over right now. Um, hi. Um, so if you don't know me, I'm Ashley. Um, I want to start off by saying that five years ago, I never thought I would be standing here today. I am humbled. I'm fearful. And more than anything, I'm excited for this new journey in my life. Thank you for letting me share a bit of my story with you today. I grew up in Hamilton. I went to a Catholic school throughout my elementary school and high school years. Religion class and attending church services were a major component of my education. I was baptized as a baby. I had my first confession, communion, and confirmation. And I knew all about who God was. But I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I didn't attend church outside of school. And there was no discussion about God in our home. As a child, I felt like God was someone that I couldn't understand. As I got older, I learned to treat God as if he were made up. I did not have a personal relationship in any way. It felt so just raw and cold. I sat my way through hundreds of church services. I stood, I knelt, I sang, I stood again, and I listened to countless sermons, but I wasn't listening. I was there, but I was not present. I come from a broken home. My parents had a tumultuous relationship. They fought often. They separated when I was seven. My two siblings and I, unfortunately, were deeply affected by all of that. After my parents separated, there wasn't much control in our house. We became known as the party house, and a lot of not-so-great and not-so-legal things happened in our home. My life felt extremely chaotic. When I was 10, I remember having constant and overwhelming feelings of guilt. I knew something wasn't right inside, but I didn't know what. I began to question my value. I loved myself less and less. I didn't know it at the time, but both of my parents struggled with mental illness, and this was just the beginning of years of mental and emotional anguish for me. Most days, I would stay in bed in my room, and I even ate dinner in bed. <laughs> Shortly after my parents separated, my mom began to see a man who rather quickly moved into our house. He didn't get along with all of us kids and added even more turmoil to the home. He had severe mental illness, a dark perversion within him. As children, we weren't safe around him, yet he lived with us for seven years. My innocence kept me from experiencing the dark side of his nature, but other family members weren't so lucky. As an adolescent, I noticed that his attention toward me changed, and I was afraid for my safety. I tried, to secure the, I tried to secure the privacy of my most intimate places in my home. Near the end, he was violent, and he fought with my mom to the point where she tried to end her own life. She ended up in the hospital, and thankfully, she survived. My mom realized that we were in danger, and she ended the relationship with this man. He, in turn, ended his life in front of us the next morning. I will never forget holding my mother in the street hearing her gut-wrenching screams amidst the lights and sounds of the EMS vehicles. I was only 14. I'd experienced more trauma than most in a lifetime. 
All of this continued to affect me throughout my teen years. I went to school, but I was completely disinterested in learning. My mother and my brother had left our home, and my sister and I had begun to live on our own together by the time I was 15. The darkness and depression continued to spiral out of control. I began self-harming. I had regular thoughts of suicide. And I hate to admit it, several very close calls. After a few years, I moved to Haldeman County to live with my dad and stepmom, Judy. It was a more stable environment, but for me inside, I was just still so empty. I kept finding myself drawn to toxic people and toxic relationships and emotionally abusive relationships. I didn't feel like I deserved to be loved or respected. I lived inside my own head, feeling sorry for myself. I cried many nights, often crying out to God, and I asked him, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is life so heartbreaking? My self-harm escalated to abusing alcohol, cigarettes, pot, and other drugs, and the load of guilt became heavier and heavier. I wasn't proud of who I was. I tried to maintain a relationship with both my parents. However, it was more friendly than authoritative. My mother was still so gentle-hearted, and she wanted to know what was going on in my life, even though we didn't live together. But I felt torn inside. On one hand, I felt tossed aside by her, that my well-being, academic success, and safety were unimportant to her. Yet on the other hand, I felt like her heart was in the right place. My world was rocked once again when we found out that she had been diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. My mom was truly sorry for how we grew up, and she tried to bring it up a couple times when she was sick. But I didn't want her to know how badly it hurt. I didn't want her to know that she'd broken my heart. I wanted her to know that she had been there for me in other ways, helping me out financially when we, she could, and she had been there always telling me how proud she was of me. I wasn't angry at my parents for my upbringing. I often thought it was just my fault. I avoided the conflict and to try and hide my true feelings and issues and guard my fragile heart. My mom fought an intense battle of chemo and radiation for a year and a half. She went into remission. It was the best news we could have ever received, and it brought us closer than we'd ever been. I was terrified that I would lose her, and about nine months later, my fears became reality. My mom started getting severe headaches, and they discovered that the cancer had moved to her brain. The tumors were inoperable, and she continued with treatment and fought so hard. As she became more weak, sad, and afraid, I felt guilt. It continued to grow larger and larger. I wish I could have been there more. I wish I could have taken her pain away. She was strong, and she lived longer than the doctors expected, but she passed away in the arms of her children at the age of 50. I was 22, and after she died, I spiraled even more out of control. I was in yet another emotionally toxic relationship, and the guilt continued to grow. I felt guilty I wasn't a better daughter, and even today, I hope she knew that I forgave her. I drank to cope with the pain. I lost all my ambition, and my life was a revolving door of chaos. Ultimately, I was just lost. It was then I met this guy named Josh, who was my husband. He was a customer at the restaurant that I worked at. He came in often. He was always so happy-go-lucky and sweet. We kept bumping into each other serendipitously, and he talked. He talked to me like he knew me for years, and I was intrigued by him, but I wasn't ready for another relationship. He was persistent, though, and he wore on me. 
I eventually melted into those brown eyes, <laughs> those big brown eyes, and we started dating. I knew he was different. He was not ashamed to tell me that he was a Christian, and for some reason, something inside me liked that. He would talk about <coughs> his beliefs, and he asked me about mine, and I told him that I was agnostic, that I admired him for being a Christian, but that lifestyle was, just wasn't for me. We continued to date, and not too long after, I found out I was pregnant. I was devastated. I didn't know what I was going to do. How would I tell everyone? In small towns, world travel, word travels so fast, and I knew people would judge me. My dad, his parents, my friends. I was not where I wanted to be emotionally, mentally, physically. I didn't think that I could keep this baby. I didn't even think I could keep going in a relationship with Josh. But he was steadfast. He stood beside me. He supported me. He was kind. He was understanding. And we went through a list of everything you can encounter as parents and partners in one night. And we decided that we would keep this baby no matter what. Two months later, we bought a house together. And Josh slowly started to roost me quietly, telling me, hey, you should just come to church with me sometime. Honestly, I was hesitant to go back to church. But after some careful prodding, I agreed. And I'll never forget the first day that I walked into Kingsway. The parking lot was stacked to the nines. And when the doors opened, I was greeted by strangers who had the warmest disposition. They welcomed me, they handed me a pamphlet, and we took our seats. Having only experienced a Catholic service, and if anyone's been to a Catholic service, <laughs> with the routines that took place, my eyes were quite wide, and I was shocked what I saw around me. The room was filled with a ton of gleeful, casually dressed people. Children were playing with one another, Husbands and wives sat close with arms around one another over the backs of their chairs. And on this particular day, I'm telling you, it was booming with chatter. It was almost like a teacher walking into a classroom when Mark got up to the front. And he had this huge grin on his face, and he immediately said, Man, look at this. Look at all this joy and happiness in this room. Continue on, everyone. I love this. This is what fellowship is. There was no stained glass windows. There were no wood carvings of Jesus or Mary, but there was this massive sign that caught my eye. In this house, we do real, we do mistakes, we do family, and so on. And for some reason, that humbled me. Before the music started, Mark asked everyone to close their eyes. And on this particular day, he said, if you haven't been to church in a while, or if God is part of, isn't part of your life, but you're here and your heart is curious, I just ask you to close your eyes with me today. So hesitantly, I closed my eyes, and Mark said, I want you to ask God to show his presence in your life and open yourself up to the possibility that he could speak to your heart. I'm not sure why I did today, that day, but I did. And in my head, I took the deepest sigh, and I said, okay, God, if this is real, if you are real today, I'm going to make myself open to you, and I'm going to search for you. I'm a very stubborn person. Just ask Josh. Anyone who knows me can tell you that letting go of my restraints and notions on religion was not an easy task. The service began with some quite catchy music, I must say. I watched in shock as I listened to people sing, and they were dancing for their lives, their arms up in praise, also something I had never seen before. After that day at church, I felt lighter for some reason. I felt vulnerable, open, different. I kept my eyes peeled for signs that God was real and that he had heard my prayer. And the signs came. 
not like trees being struck by lightning in my path, but through various subtle blessings. I returned to church a few more services, and for the first time ever, I began to listen intently, intently to the messages. I came back on several occasions, closing my eyes and asking for one more sign, and each time the signs continued. Slowly, I had begun to have a sense of belonging. Because of my stubborn nature, my journey being a Christian didn't happen overnight. And to be quite honest, I struggled deeply to decide if Christianity was for me. I don't think there should be a gray area in religion. So if I was in, I wanted to be all in and truly believe or not at all. This struggle went on for nearly a year and a half. I'd confide in Josh, and he'd always ask me, if I was ready to accept Jesus into my heart, and each time I told him, not just yet. I wasn't sure what I was waiting for. Finally, I went to church and I sat down and I said, God, I know you have opened doors, but there's something holding me back and I'm not sure what it is. Can you please give me one final sign that you're there? A few days went by and I was driving in the car with my father-in-law, Mike, and he started humming this tune and he said to me, Ashley, I know this is going to sound odd, but there's this song I need you to look up when you get home. And it's called, He Ain't the Leaving Kind by Rascal Flatts. So I went home that night and I listened to that song and it spoke to me. That song helped me realize why I was so resistant as all along. It was because as a child, I felt abandoned by God. And the lyrics of this song made me realize more than anything that God was with me through every tear and every tragedy. When I felt like giving up, he was the voice inside my head telling me to keep fighting, to be good despite the darkness. When I was doing the wrong things, he was my conscience telling me not to. He knew my heart, and he knew I would come to know him. And he gave me the strength to carry on and keep pushing forward until I was ready to open my heart up and let him in. Since that realization that day, I feel like a whole new woman. I feel a peace in me that I have never felt before in my whole life. I feel a love for myself and an even stronger love for others. I recognize that I was in the first healthy relationship with someone who truly loved me. Josh's family have played a major role in my spiritual journey. I have found comfort in Cindy, who I look to as a mother. She is warm and kind-hearted and one of the most genuine family-oriented people I have ever known. This may sound strange, but I feel like everything I was lacking, I gained. I got help for my mental illness. I quit smoking. I no longer used alcohol to cope with pain. And God worked through so much of my pain. And I realized that Christ had forgiven me. And I began to forgive those who had hurt me. It was like I could breathe and I could see and I could feel for the first time without carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm convicted for my wrong choices, and I'm better able to recognize areas in my life where I can do better. I'm now married to Josh. We have two healthy, beautiful boys who I intend to bring up to know Christ for themselves. We have bought a forever home, and with hard work, persistence, and God's favor and blessings, we continue to build our lives with joy and gratitude. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that my life is perfect or even that I no longer face obstacles. The difference now is that I face these obstacles with Christ. I give my fears, my sorrows, and my unease to him because I know there is nothing I cannot get through. One of God's greatest desires was for us to love others and spread the good news that Jesus is real, he is alive, and he saves. 
I knew a change had happened to me when I woke up immediately wanting those for those I love most. I wanted them to experience salvation as well. I wanted it for my family, my, fr my friends, and even strangers I met. I began to look at people with empathy rather than hurt, and I wanted them to experience the peace I now have. I'm especially appreciative today to stand here and tell you that you, Kingsway, you played a part in why I'm standing here. You were some of the subtle signs I received from God. I had several of you who were kind to me. Some of you sought me out to offer words of encouragement. You invited me to join a Bible study. When some of you asked me how I was, it was genuine. I was invited to some of your homes, and I was treated so kindly there. I met my first Christian friend, Alicia, who I know God put in my life. I am grateful for her presence and the value she brings to myself and my children's lives. Coming to Kingsway for me was like coming to a family of people who look after one another and rejoice in the Lord. Church has everything to do with the people in it. You made me want to come back. I cannot begin to thank the people of this church. You have no idea what you did for me. You helped bring me closer to salvation. The only thing I can say is that the power of fellowship is absolutely strong. And it 100% makes a difference to any new person coming through that door. I only hope to give to someone what you gave to me. So today I stand here to let you know that I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me. I believe he's forgiven me. I am a new person in him. I am choosing to be baptized as one step in following him. I am choosing to do my best to love every living being with my whole heart and soul and I'm choosing to be a servant of God, attempting to live my life to honor and glorify him always. Thank you for being here today and sharing this special day with me. And that's what it's all about. I should have told you to have a Kleenex box handy. I'm sorry. Um, thank you for being that church that shows the love of Jesus. And Ash, sorry, I tried to warm it up. Do you believe that Jesus lived, it was God, and died in your place for your sin? Do you believe that because he rose from the dead, you will live eternally with him? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and um, you've decided to follow him with the rest of your life. So based on your confession of faith in him, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 